This morning we will be partaking of the Lord's table. And right now my heart is somewhat torn. Maybe I don't know what direction to go. I mean, that last song talking about the power of the cross is just brought thoughts into my mind. What this supper portrays for us. Um, Christ's body broken for us. His blood shed for us. What an amazing accomplishment on the cross of Calvary for the salvation of our souls. The gospel is an amazing message. It's called the good news. It's an amazing message because it has within it everything that the sinner needs to know concerning Christ. Paul simplified it by saying, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Let's turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If I don't get to the morning message, that's okay. My heart is full. In other words, what I'm saying is these are not prepared comments or a sermon, but just something that's flowing from my heart this morning. with the prospect that there may be seated among us those who have never responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the idea that there is good news for man. The gospel of God's grace. It concerns the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I've preached that unto you, which also you have received, and in which ye stand. You see, the gospel is something that needs to be received, it needs to be understood. So there needs to be some intellectual activity about the gospel. But there needs to be a reception of that gospel by faith. He says, I preach this unto you. And this is, this is the foolishness of preaching by which people are saved, Paul has said. And that's what I want to proclaim this morning, at least the brief moments that I have. I want to proclaim the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'd be partaking of the Lord's table. This also proclaims the gospel. So Paul said, I preached this unto you. And here you are, you're listening to a man kind of ramble up here a little bit. This is called preaching. 
I don't give you my own words. My own words mean nothing. If I preach the gospel, that's what God uses to accomplish his purpose. If I preach God's word, that's what he uses to accomplish his purpose. So Paul says, I'm going to declare to you the gospel. I've preached it to you. You've heard it. You have received it. And folks, notice those next, that next phrase in verse 1 and in which ye stand. We stand on firm ground, a firm foundation, as it were, in the gospel. Paul wrote to the church at Galatians, you know, why have you received this other gospel, which is not a gospel? This is the gospel. And then in verse 2, by which also ye are saved. Let me just park on that for just a little bit. Why is it necessary for men, women, and children to be saved? So the first question you need to ask yourself is what are we saved from? What are you saved from? Some would simplify it and say that we are saved from sin. That is true. The Bible says, For all have sinned, in Romans 3.23, and have come short of the glory of God. And so, yes, we are saved from sin, but we are saved from the penalty of sin because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of your sin is death. That death is just not physical death, but spiritual death. And what the Bible calls the second death. You see, when you were born into this world, you were born spiritually dead, alienated from God. Dead in your trespasses and sins. You need to be saved from that. Because if you continue in that spiritually dead condition, if you continue to be dead in trespasses and sins, unregenerated, alienated from the life of God, no hope at all, if you continue in that condition, you will experience the second death, which is to be cast into the lake of fire. We call it hell. Bible calls the ultimate resting place of unbelievers the lake of fire. No, I'm not here to cause great dread and anxiety concerning hell and preach a hellfire and brimstone message. But hell is not a place you want to go. Hell is not a place you want to spend eternity. Hell will be the destination of anyone who continues in that spiritual deadness to be dead in trespasses and sins. 
Hell is a place of unrelenting torment. We're kind of given a picture of it, I believe, in the Gospel of Luke. Unrelenting torment where the wrath of God is poured out on sinners for all eternity. Yes, you need to be saved from that. You need to be saved from your sin. You need to be saved from the wrath of God abiding on you in your life now and for all eternity. And this is the good news of the gospel. Because it is given here that some people were saved, which holds out the hope that many more people can be saved. In which, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Let's key in on that last phrase. Is it possible to believe in vain? Yes. See, people can make a mental assent, an intellectual acceptance of the gospel, but never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but have never repented of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. You're not Christian just because you're born in America. You're not Christian just because you go to church. You're not Christian because you were born into a Christian family. You're not a Christian just because maybe your husband's a Christian. Or maybe your wife is a Christian. Or your next door neighbor. Or you should work for a Christian company. To be a Christian is one who is saved, who has thrown themselves at the mercy of Jesus Christ and believed on him for the forgiveness of their sins. So Paul goes on in verse 3, For I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received. And here it is. Here's the gospel. Here's the gospel that he preached. Here's the gospel that many of the Corinthians received. Here's the gospel that many of them were standing in. Here's the gospel by which them, many of them were saved. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Well, let me reference the Lord's table. What does it mean that Christ died for our sins? Well, his body was broken. As he suffered underneath the wrath and condemnation of his own father. The Bible says that Christ was made sin for us. How ugly that must have been to the Father in heaven. So much so that the Bible says Christ called out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? reason God forsook his only son is because he is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. And on that cross, that's what Christ became. He became iniquity. He became sin for us. 
And all the billows of God's wrath came upon Christ. Folks, what Christ suffered in the crucifixion was bad. But what he suffered by the hands of his Father in being separated from the Father when he became sin for us, that was terrible. That's the power of the cross. And that's where Christ's body was broken. How? How in God's name could he suffer like that for me? All the billows of God's wrath, the condemnation, going over him. As he took the penalty of sin in our place. When Christ died for our sins, he poured out his life's blood. We have the juice, unleavened juice, by the way, unleavened bread, pointing to the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. If we go back in our Bibles and we look at the pages of the Old Testament, sacrifices were made. The Passover lamb was sacrificed. That lamb had to be a lamb without blemish and without spot. And it died. It shed its blood in the place of those of the children of Israel. So unleavened bread, unleavened juice, broken body, shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus shed his blood as a Passover lamb for us. Remember the Passover? Children of Israel had to take the, that lamb. And my understanding of how they did it is they actually took the lamb to the threshold of the doorway to their home. And that's where they slit the throat of that Passover lamb in Egypt. And then as the blood flowed out on the threshold of that door, they took hyssop and they put it on the doorposts and over the top. Then they went in. They had the Passover feast, the Passover meal. And that night when the death angel came into the land of Egypt, if that blood was there, Applied the way God said it needed to be applied. That household was safe from the wrath of God. And that night there were weeping, there was weeping and wailing as the firstborn in many households of the land of Egypt died as a judgment. But those who had applied the blood we're safe from the judgment of God. So when it says that Christ died for our sins, yes, it means that his body was broken for us. He suffered underneath the wrath of God, but without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Christ shed his blood so that our sins could be taken away. And we wouldn't have to be under the wrath of God more. The 
The Bible says that for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You say, Brother Cyril's, I'm not as bad as some people. Yeah, I wish I wasn't as bad as some people. But the Bible makes it clear there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And if you've broken the law in one point, you are guilty of the whole thing. Anyone here ever tell a lie? Come on, raise your hands. Anyone ever tell a lie? Yeah, we all have. According to God's word, we're all liars. And according to God's word, all liars will be cast into the lake of fire. Except here's the good news. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And if his blood is applied to you, you will be safe from the wrath of God. That's what this supper represents, the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone needs this message. Everyone needs to be saved. Everyone needs to receive this message by faith. Because the wages of sin is death. But, some of you can quote it, gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you can continue dead in your trespasses and sins or you can turn by faith to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and receive the gift of eternal life, spiritual life, no longer dead in trespasses and sins, now able to stand by the gospel with the confidence that you are no longer under the condemnation of God. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you say that in your heart you know that Christ died for you? You see, someone who's turned to Jesus Christ can say that. God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, in a helpless, hopeless condition, under the wrath and condemnation of God, Christ died for us. So then the Bible goes on and tells us how to be saved. Romans chapter 10. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall confess him, that's Christ, will be saved. And that's what Paul goes on to say in this section on the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Christ didn't just die 
for us. He arose victorious over the grave for us. That did a couple of things. First of all, it gives us hope. The eternal life and spiritual life is real. Resurrection life is real. But it also proved that he was the son of God. And he could die for you. Paul says in the first chapter of the book of Romans, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus was who he said he was. Son of God, sent from heaven to take sinner's place on the cross. To take the sinner's place and receive in his body the wrath of God in your place. That's the gospel. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord for the salvation of your soul from sin and its judgment? Have you called upon God to save your soul from his wrath, eternal damnation in hell? Have you turned to Jesus Christ and called upon his sweet name so that the blood could be applied to you and God's judgment would not fall on you? That's why we celebrate the Lord's table. The gospel is portrayed in such a powerful way. We should never get to the place where we take this for granted and where we just go through the motions, but we realize the great cost of our salvation. My heart is full. We've spoken, we've sung about the grace of God. What marvelous grace that is greater than all of our sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Have you experienced the grace of God in salvation, the salvation of your soul? Brother Searles, how do I do that? How do I experience that? Well, you have to realize you're a sinner. You have to admit that you're a sinner and you need God's grace. And you have to realize and admit that you deserve the judgment of God because of your sin. And you deserve to be separated from God for all eternity but that only by the grace of God through the person of Jesus Christ can you be 
reunited with your Father, if it, as it were. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How are you saved? I can give you a prayer. The prayer means nothing, especially to those who don't believe. You're saved by repenting of your sin and turning to Jesus Christ and believing that he died for you on the cross and that his shed blood will take your sin away. I can give you a prayer. Some of the men in the church can give you a prayer. But unless you believe on Christ, you cannot be saved. Father, I pray that you'll take these inadequate words and you want to press upon those who are here today the necessity and the urgency of turning to Christ, which this table represents. May you be glorified in the salvation of souls. And may you be glorified when your son is honored in the hearts and lives of your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our young men to come. <clears throat> and if you do not yet have the elements of the Lord's table, they are on the back table next to the doorway. gospel is so wonderfully portrayed in the elements that we share, that we unite together to share. This is the Lord's table. It's not Coloma's table. It's the Lord's table. And so together, as we stand in the gospel, we worship the Lord who died for us. We do that together as individuals course, but as a corporate body of believers who have turned to Jesus Christ by faith and have received the forgiveness of sins. This table, of course, is a memorial. Nothing in the elements changes. It remains unleavened bread and unleavened juice. No grace is mysteriously present. We do, how do I explain it? We do somehow receive grace in the way that we remember Christ, the way that we come together and unite together with unity and humility, remembering the Lord in this way. This is how he wants us to remember him. And so he gave us this table Simple elements representing his broken body for us and his blood shed for us. A memorial that we take and we look back to what he accomplished for us. And so we assemble around this table at his invitation.
The Bible says in Isaiah 53, he was despised and neglected, rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And this is the cross. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace, our peace with God, was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Ministering in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you this bread, a symbol of his body broken for you. I'm going to ask Brother Mike to ask God's blessing on the bread. Father God, as we come together, just as Jesus brought his disciples together for that first Lord's Supper, Lord, help us to realize all that you went through and all the love that you had and represented when you went to the cross. Lord, may we never forget what you have done for us that your grace has come upon us who believe, Lord. Help us to remember each time we come together and celebrate this table. Bless this element of the bread. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Paul wrote, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it when he had given thanks, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Bible says much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him ministering in the name of Jesus Christ we give you this juice a symbol of his blood shed for you and ask brother Matt lead us in prayer for the juice Lord Jesus thank you so much for going to the cross for us thank you for dying for us Thank you for that great love that you showed uh, for us. We do not deserve it. We are um, without, uh, without your work, we would be remain aliens, separated from um, all the blessings that, uh, that you've given to your people. And we would be without God and without hope in the world. And Father, thank you so much for orchestrating this plan for your son. And thank you for including us in it. 
Amen. After the same manner also, Christ took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, showing the resurrection, you do show the Lord's death till he come, and all God's people said, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. You know, I'm going to get you guys to say that one of these times. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus.